0: Our concerns have a tendency to weigh us down. Even the concerns of Christian community can feel heavy at times. But there is hope for those wearied with burdens too great to carry. Join Dr. Brown as he looks at three truths for what brings relief to a concerned Christian community. This is Hearing is Believing. The past few passages that we've looked at, we've. The text is focused on the community that's formed by the Word. We saw, for example, the characteristics of a gospel-centered community in chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. And last week, last week, we looked at the unique concerns that the Christian community has. This community is formed by the Word of God, and as such, there are certain concerns that we share together. So in chapter two, verses 17 through chapter three and verse five, we highlighted four concerns of a Christian community. The Christian community, for example, is concerned when we're apart. And here we emphasize the importance of gathering together. We said gathering was essential to the church. We can be the church scattered, but we are the church when we are gathered. We also looked at we're concerned with the wrong expectations. We don't want anyone to come to Christ disillusioned. We don't want the enemy to then come and take advantage. And we looked at this startling passage that said that we were destined for suffering, destined as believers for persecution. And then we looked at our concern for spiritual warfare. We highlighted the fact that there's this real enemy in the world that we have. He's an he's a enemy on a leash, but he's still seeking whom he may devour. And finally, we looked at the last concern was that we're concerned with advancing the gospel. So those are the four concerns that we highlighted from the text of a Christian community. And there's a way to relieve those concerns. Those concerns should have our attention. We should be concerned when we're not concerned with those things because they're God-given concerns. But there is a remedy for those concerns. The reason there's a remedy for those concerns is because God has come to give relief. God has come to give relief, not concern. And so what do we wanna do today? We wanna turn to the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter three. And if you haven't made it there, I encourage you to do so. 1 Thessalonians chapter three. We're gonna look today at what brings relief to the concerns of a Christian community. We're gonna look today at chapter three, verses six through 13. We're gonna finish chapter three today. So hear the word of our God. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, We have been comforted about you through your faith for now we live since you are standing fast in the lord for what thanksgiving can we return to god for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our god as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith now may our god and father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Would you pray with me this morning? Thank you for being the God who brings relief. And may we focus on the relief that you give us, a relief in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine something. Imagine traveling to a distant land. You're a missionary. You're going to a place where Jesus has never been proclaimed. People have never heard of Jesus. Imagine seeing their faces light up in joy hearing the gospel for the first time, seeing them accept him, but realizing that their acceptance of this message that you bring is going to result in persecution for them. These new believers are fresh and they are in real danger of being tempted to abandon their confession. They're in real danger of leaving the narrow way that leads to life and going back to the city of destruction. Imagine that you are that missionary. You tell others about Jesus. You are convinced of the truth. And you want others to live this truth. You have made it your life to tell others about Jesus. Nothing thrills your soul like seeing lives forever changed as you see people turn from idols, turn from dead things to serve the living and true God. So you have your entire joy wrapped up in what you do. What you do is telling others about Jesus, and there's nothing that brings you greater joy than seeing people transformed by this gospel message. It sort of reminds me, that sort of story reminds me of the whole college experience, the college experience. Here you are in college. You're setting out on this new adventure. You're far from home. You've got more freedom, more liberty. But there's someone who calls to check on you there's someone who writes you a note who sends you a text who sends you an email the reason they do that is because no one who cares about you wants you to drop out all of us want you to finish all of us want you to be productive to do something with your life there is something beyond college and we want you to do your best because we know those who are encouraging you to do your best, we know that there's a different way that you can go. There's a way that leads to failure, a way that leads to disappointment, a way that leads to regret. And those who care about you will do all they can to help you avoid that way. So we have in Thessalonians, Paul who's writing from a different place, who's writing from a different place to these Thessalonians. And who is Paul? He's an ambassador, he's a missionary of the way, the truth, and the life. Paul has made it his concern to be concerned about seeing lives changed by the gospel. I've done that too. I've made it my concern to see others changed by the gospel. And here's what I'm convinced of as your pastor. I'm convinced that I am surrounded by a whole community of folks that have the same concern. We want to know Jesus and to make him known. We want others to see Jesus in us and we want others to know Jesus through us. We want others to know what we know. We have hope that we want them to have. We want them to live according to what is truly living and forsake the other way. We're pilgrims on the way. And we have a message to those wearied and burdened with too great concerns to carry. And the message that we have for the world is come find rest for your souls. Come to Jesus and live. In a world full of concern, there is relief. In a world full of concern, there is relief, there is a remedy. And this text lays out three truths of what brings relief to what concerns the Christian community. And I encourage you to write these down. Matter of factly, our staff has made available for you if you don't have it already, a little note uh, journal for you that follows along by dates. And if you on the way out, perhaps you can get it on your way out, a little journal prepared for you so that you can take notes. But three truths about what bring, brings relief to what concerns a Christian community. Number one, the first thing that brings relief is a genuine love, a genuine love. We've been studying this book together, and it's incredible that our Lord has brought us here because Paul loved these Thessalonians. He absolutely loved them. His love for them was constant. If we're reading it, we can see that the love just oozes from the pages. He loved these Thessalonians. And he expresses his concern. Look at what he says here in chapter 3 and verse 5. He says, right at the very end, he says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear, here's his concern, that someone, or that the, somehow the tempter had tempted you. And then look at this our labor would be in vain. But then look at the way the contrast is developed in verse 6. But now that Timothy has come. Do you see he's concerned? He's anxious. It's building up. And then it's like verse 6 comes and all of that pressure just releases. I was so concerned. But now that Timothy has come, Paul sent the best teacher that he knew. And that best teacher that he knew, Timothy, comes back to Paul and gives him a message. And that message gives relief to Paul's soul. Timothy reports the good news of their faith and love and reported, look at the verse, that they always remembered them kindly and longed to see them. Everything was all right. Even though Paul had to leave quicker than he wanted, even though Paul left work that he had in his mind that was undone and unfinished, he didn't get to finish what he started, everything was all right. And it's here that Paul learned a valuable lesson. And it's one that he learned that I need to learn and that we need to learn together. Listen, the worker may leave but the work of God continues. The worker may leave, but the work of God continues. I've heard so many conversations go like this. I wonder who the next Billy Graham is gonna be. You know, there'll never be another Billy Graham. There'll never be another Apostle Paul. But you know what they will always be? they will always be the church that they serve and the message that saves. Those things will always be. Here, Paul was concerned that he left them. But what did he learn? Everything's all right. Because it doesn't depend on the worker. Because God works through the worker to accomplish his work. And so, it's our business to be about the gospel business and not to despair when we see workers fall or fail, but instead, Carry on the gospel work. Notice this phrase here in verse 6. The phrase is good news. You know what that phrase literally means? The word is gospel. The word is euangelion. It's the word good news. It's the word gospel. And this may be the only time in the entire New Testament that the phrase is used outside of a salvation context. So what are we supposed to take from that? Paul uses this word. He could have used a different word, but he used this word. So what are we to learn from that? We're to learn that the news of their faith was saving for Paul. That phrase reveals just how much he cared for them. The news that they were carried along the road of salvation, that they were still on the way, was energy to his weariness, was relief to his worry, was soothing to the scars that he had gathered all through his missionary journeys, and he would do it all again for them. Because hearing that they were progressing in the faith, hearing that they were growing in holiness, righteousness, that was the gospel for Paul. There's a mutual love they share. And that mutual love that they share is brought about by the good news. And then Paul says of them, he says it's life to him to hear that they're standing fast in the Lord. Look at verse 8. For now we live. Now. Now that we've heard. Something has happened prior to the now that results in Paul saying what he says. Now, we live. And my ESV has it translated if, but it's better translated since. It's not a conditional. It's better translated since you are standing fast in the Lord. In other words, he lives for them. His life is wrapped up and their progress. And he would give his life later. History tells us Paul is literally going to give his life later so that others can know what it means to live. Paul would say in another place to live is Christ and to die is gain. His former way of life has been consumed with this, verse eight, for now we live. Consider this truth, a stranger comes into a city to tell others about another stranger whom they've never seen, but one day will see. They not only believe the stranger about the stranger, but they adopt the stranger as their brother. Communities alter their entire lives based upon the word of this stranger about another stranger. Whom they've never met, but one day they hope to meet. And this story is repeated all over the world. As the gospel comes to new shores, as the cos- gospel comes to a different place, as the gospel brings fruit, as the gospel bears fruit and brings repentance, How in the world do you explain this of of a entire group believing a stranger about another stranger and then they just change their entire lives based upon the word of another stranger? The only explanation for this that I believe is one word, and that's faith. Faith. But there's not just faith. There's also one reason. The gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. Don't ever forget that. The gospel not the way you present the gospel, but the gospel is the power of God under salvation for everyone who believes. You see, there's a fellowship that's created through the cross of Christ. There's a message that makes strangers family, that turns enemies into friends, and a message that puts people going in the opposite direction, puts them on the same way, going the same direction. That's the difference that Jesus makes. You know, I never knew Katie until I met her. And I said that to her last night, and she laughed at me. Yeah, of course that makes sense. Yeah, I never knew her until I met her. But let me say this. I sure am glad that I met her. That moment that I met her, and I'll tell you that story one day. But that moment that I met her, it changed everything for me. And some of you here this morning haven't met Jesus yet. But all it takes is once. All it takes is once. And once you meet Him, you'll never be the same. You see, you don't know this yet maybe, but your life is waiting to begin. You thought that you were living. You thought that you were living You're going to think that I'm crazy, but I sort of think in lyrics. And uh, the way that when I I was thinking through what I was going to say here, you know what the song came through my head, Tom? Cinderella's, so this is love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, crazy. But you thought that you were living until you met Jesus. And now this is what true life is all about. Beloved, listen, genuine love is waiting. For you what gives relief for what concerns us a genuine love I'm gonna ask you these later so I hope you're writing them down a genuine love number two a constant source of encouragement look at the text beginning in verse 9 Paul loves this community and because he loves them he wants the best for them those that love you the most will be those that encourage you the most Those that love you the most will be those that want the best for you. Look at the Bible. It says in verse 9, He prays most earnestly day and night. Now, how many times have you prayed earnestly day and night? And for whom are you praying for? Earnestly, day and night. Well, Paul says he's praying for them. They, these people that he only spent three weeks with, don't forget that. They are his joy and his crown, and he longs to see them. He wants to be with them, not just to be with them, but to serve them. He tells us his desire, look at this. See you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. See you face to face, two things there see you face to face, and then supply what is lacking in your face. You know what we learned from that? There's a ministry that can only occur when we're together. There is a ministry, listen carefully, because as Baptists, we don't know what it means to come to church. We just say we're coming to church. We don't really have a good theology of of what we're doing right now. But this verse helps us. Because there's a particular ministry that can only occur when we are together, when we're gathered. Substitutes are insufficient. You Think about it. Paul, he's writing a letter to them. So that's a, that's a separation. That's a, that's a degree of separation. Paul is writing a letter to them, and then that letter is escorted. So, Paul's not escorted. His thoughts are. So, there's a degree of separation. But Paul says that that is insufficient. Those who have had to turn to watching church on a screen, you know this. There's no substitute for being together. And we long to have you back, just as as you long to be here. And soon we're going to be together again. Amen? Soon we're going to be together again, face to face. But we also learn here that when we come together, we have an opportunity to supply what is lacking in another's faith. Imagine that. When we come together, we have the opportunity to supply what is lacking in another's faith. Paul understood that they had a long way to go to follow Jesus. They were on the way, but they were not yet mature. They were getting there. And there may be some here today that you think that you've arrived. You think that you've known enough, you've attended enough Bible studies, you've prayed enough perhaps, you think that uh, you have nowhere else to go in your spiritual walk, and for those who are overly satisfied where they are, the Bible says you still have something lacking in your faith. And what is lacking is supplied by true teaching when we come together. What is lacking in your faith is supplied by true teaching when we come together. I'll never forget, when I was studying this in uh, locked away because we couldn't get out anywhere, when I was studying this, I wrote in my journal, I wrote, "What will I give to others? What will I give to others?" I think about our time together as we begin this journey together as pastor and congregation. What am I going to give you? And I think that it's a mark of Christian maturity. It's a mark of Christian maturity to think about coming together to church, not to receive, but to give. You say, oh, here it is, the message on tithing. You're four weeks in. And here. No, no, no. Not about tithing. It's not about the giving money, although that's important. That's an expression of a hard issue. I understand those things, but we're not talking about that. What are you going to give to others? What are you going to give to others? Will you give them by being friendly? Will you give them by giving up your seat? Could you just imagine those individuals who are at the warehouse who don't get a live experience like this? Could you imagine what it would be like if... You gave up your seat for them so they could come here. What about for the visitor who's looking for a place to hear about Jesus, giving up your seat, teaching that class, volunteering in that ministry, serving on that particular day? What an opportunity before you each week to supply what is lacking in another's faith. So, Paul's like a good coach. He's encouraging the best from this young church. And hopefully, we'll have the same attitude to always encourage one another to pursue Christ, to love one another deeply, and to reach out to others. You say, How do we get there? Earnest prayer and an eagerness to come together as often as we can. Earnest prayer and an eagerness to come together as often as we can. You know, I know that I'm a preacher, I understand those things. I've been a preacher most of my life, but I can't wait for Sundays. And it's really not so much about me standing up here and blah 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 saying stuff, it's more about getting to see you, running into those greeters seeing all the mechanisms spin in place. That's what encourages me to see the body coming together and serving like the deacons did yesterday, breaking up the ice (laughs) so that we could come together and, and avoid falling. We get there by earnest praying and an eagerness to come together as often as we can. All right, are you ready? And you're going to have to speak to me now. Everybody say amen. Warm it up. Amen? Amen. What is it that gives relief to our concerns? Number one. That's good. A genuine love. Number two. And number three. A God who provides. And this is probably the most important. A God who provides. You see, listen. If you didn't know this already, I'm so glad to tell you. All of our hope is in Jesus. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Spirit of God moved in your heart and brought you here this morning, there would have been no reason for us to gather yesterday and bust up ice and not have any grip strength left today. There would have been no reason for that. But God brought you here. And so what does Paul do? In verse 11 through 13, he has a prayer. You know what we do when we pray? When we pray, we're saying that all of our hope is in Jesus. When we pray, we ask God to give us what we need, and with the confidence that he will not only give us what we need, he'll give us more than we need. And so Paul says that he prays for them. But notice this in verse 11. He prays for God Himself. Don't miss that. He prays for God Himself to personally give them what they need when they need it. And verse 11 through 13 shows us what He prays, and there are three things there. First, He prays that the Lord would direct our way to you. Again, He's expressing His desire to come to them. He's saying, guys, if I make it to you, it's because God brought me there. Second, he's praying that there be an increase and abound in love for one another, and don't miss this next part, and for all, and for all, all. The more we love one another, the easier it's going to be for us to love everybody. You say, what about those who are our enemies? What about those who are politically aligned different than we are? What about those? Remember this, Jesus died his enemies. Third, establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all of his saints. You know what he's praying there? He's praying for their continual progress in the faith. And the question is, how long will they have to pursue Jesus? You know how long? Until he comes or he calls them home. You see, there's little room for a stagnant faith that keeps pursuing Jesus until he comes or until he dies. One of my former church members, Miss Winola Clayvell, I believe she's 103 years old she'll be 104 in August. She was the standard bearer of our church. Wednesday night Bible studies, she was there at a hundred years old. She had some of the best questions that anybody would ask a lady over a hundred still hungry to know Jesus. She would show up when we would have events at Oxford College to move the students in. Others would say, I can't come because of this or that. Miss Winola was there. And if Miss Winola could be there at a hundred, lifting tables, throwing everybody else, shaming the rest of us, none of us had excuses. How long are you going to have to pursue Jesus? Until He comes or He takes you home. A genuine love, a constant source of encouragement, and asking God to provide, trusting that God will provide the relief for your soul. There's a verse that I found during the pandemic that was given to me by a friend, Psalm 138, 8. The Lord will accomplish that which concerneth me. The Lord will accomplish that which concerneth me. I would imagine today, those within the sound of my voice, there's probably a host of concerns that greet you, that they've already greeted you today. The good news is that there is one remedy for all of your concerns. You take all of your concerns, list them on a page, and on the opposite end of the page, I will write one word that is the cure for all, for all of your concerns. He's that powerful. He's that good. And His name is Jesus. You see, this Jesus put the Spirit of God in individuals who all have the same desire to live for Him, to long for His coming, and to remind others to do the same. He is the remedy, and His solution is available to you today without cost, believe on the Lord, come to Him, and you will find the relief for your soul. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity we have to learn you so that we can love you. It's my prayer, Lord God, that all of our concerns would be met by your sufficient grace. Give us what we need and more that we need. And Father, if there's anyone here today who have not met Jesus yet, it's my prayer that they would have one encounter with him and that one encounter would last the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Dr. Andy Brown, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Starkville in Starkville, Mississippi. If you would like to learn more about how we're taking the gospel from Startville to the ends of the earth, visit www.fbcstartville.com.